and the herd ran in fear. And the dark ones, children of the worm, walked the streets in the day. I turned my head from the sight. The phoenix told me, this is as it shall be, but not as it should. The phoenix left me then. Now I cannot dream. I can only remember the signs, each one in perfect detail. These are the last days. May Gaia have mercy on us. 25 Years of Vampire the Masquerade presents Werewolf the Apocalypse, a review podcast. Welcome back, everybody, to another 25 Years Vampire the Masquerade presents Werewolf the Apocalypse. And, of course, trudging on through the collection here, uh, we come up on to Ways the Wolf, written by author Steve Crow. It's a... it's rare that we put out the author, but it was just so easily done in the way they have it in the book. It just reads right down, and Steve Crow seems like a cool name. And uh, it's all good. I said it like that matters, but that, that's why I said it. I, I realized we don't normally do that. Maybe we'll start. But without further ado, gentlemen, um, I want to thank you both for being on here, Brennan. Hey, everyone. And, of course, Nick. What's up? It's really weird, though. i got to keep introducing Nick. I mean, he's always here. We're like peanut butter and... Jelly? Peanut butter jelly. Yeah, I was gonna say jam. You're you're into like gourmand stuff. So like would you say jam or would it be yam? Um I would like to say a strawberry compote. So wait, Stra- hold on. Stra- is it a deconstructed strawberry compote? Would you say that? <laughs> I have no idea what that is, but if you if you are peanut butter and he's jelly, does that make me a banana in the sandwich? Because I always hate those. Um it, first of all, the banana's not even allowed in the sandwich. I don't know where You've the never hell had that- a peanut butter and jelly and banana sandwich. No, first off, I have Elvis would slap you. Wouldn't it just be peanut butter <laughs> and banana? Like, why, why you gotta add things to it, man? The king has made a statement. What's you trying to do there? All right, right I guess it's just oh, me. Apparently, we're just calling audibles now. Let's throw asparagus in there. <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, that'll. Uh, well, I won't go there. Whatever. Anyway, for, right. For without further ado, we'll add in. You could be the toast, right? <laughs> We're moving toast. on, Nick. We're moving on. <laughs> you could he, you could have been the toast. He's not wrong. Um, yes, we're heckling a little hard today. Uh, having a little good, we're having fun, folks. So uh, bear with. What we got going on today is that we're like I said, we're going over ways of the wolf. This book is a bit interesting. Um, I would say it's pivotal, actually. In my my early opinion of it is uh, it holds strong, um, especially if you have no idea about the wild nature of, of werewolves, right? What do you guys think? I think so. Uh, I, I I agree. I would agree with that as well. What did you think of the open tale, the uh, tale of the Maiko? Uh, I loved it. I'm also glad you pronounced it that way because I wasn't entirely sure. Uh, this was... Um, <clears throat> at first, I was wondering, like, uh, as I'm reading this, like, it's a good tale, but I'm like, how how does this relate to lupus and, like, wolves? Right? I didn't see it at first. Right. But the the entire like frame narrative for it is about a lupus, right? Because it's about uh, does go into lupuses because it's a lupus galliard, right? A lupus galliard. A galliard is like the storyteller of the nation. Right. But they would not tell the stories like you and I tell stories. Right. They wouldn't sit around a campfire. Right. Like telling ghost stories at night. They would have different ways of doing it. They would communicate it like a wolf. And it actually goes into, I think, a great example of how they would communicate a tale and that they they acted out, but it's not just like, you know, stage acting. There's there's things that are communicated through like sense, through body language, movements that a normal human, like human kinfolk watching this, they wouldn't know what's happening. 
you would have to have some knowledge of like um, some part of you being a wolf to know what's being told about in the story. Uh, it's magnificent. I actually, I actually enjoy this. I think the reason why, uh, well, the reason why Brentron said right was because we had a little a suspicious look in her face, like maybe we missed the section. Mm-hmm. And it's you're very passionate about it. We know Brentron, you love lupus and playing red talons and whatnot. And uh, what he's talking about is, and let's let's paint that picture. Uh, this is a moot, right? This is as we explained before, a moot is an actual uh, cairn. Uh, event. This is when the tribe gets everybody in the region together or the area together, depending on the size of it, right? A grand moot would be from all corners of wherever, but this is just a normal moot. It seemed, no, this would be grand moot. I'd say by the description, it's over 300 guru mm-hmm. and uh, they're all piling in to hear, well, to do moot stuff, but they're not focusing on that. <laughs> they don't. It's really like doing, we stuff. don't know what it's the true. hell they're talking about. They're doing that, and they give you from the perspective of the Galliard who's actually performing what's going on. And that Galliard's a lupus. Mm-hmm. Now, what's important, it's also a Wendigo lupus. Yeah. Which, why I think that's important is perspective. I think people miss perspective quite a bit when they read. It's a critical skill when you read to get the context. And in here, it talks about it's a ceremony uh, that's being held by his name's Shadow, or him or her. I didn't really quite get that. It's Shadows by the Firelight. Right. That's a full name and otherwise known as Moon Moon House is another name for it, too. It's like mm-hmm. both are thrown in like a deed name and the wolf's name. And uh, that's that's what they have. And it's a great honor to have this Gallagher do anything, really. And because they're stepping forward to tell a story, it has handpicked others to come and narrate and act the story, not narrate, but act the story for the narration they're giving. Yeah. And what they point out is. And I like how Brentron, your imagination painted that there was some complex communication and acting that nobody else but these guys could perform and their homens couldn't understand. You're basically communicating that this person was a lupus. This book is a lupus perspective. The story's mm-hmm. told from a lupus perspective. So you felt that was it. But I remember a different take. And let's see if you got this too, Nick, where it describes that he was using gifts. He changed his voice right. to... Uh you know, he did a partial transformation and changed it so he could speak clearly to everybody there. Also using gifts. That's that's one thing and I missed. It's a great point. I missed. But uh, the other one was it made so the audience can see what they were doing is more than just people acting out. What he's saying that perhaps maybe they looked like part of the story he was dictating. Yeah. So a bit of illusion might have been involved here. We don't know to what extent, but the, but to me, the author did a good job because he painted this picture in your mind and you went with it mm-hmm. so you could clearly see it. Now, the point of this tale the Myco itself, we looked it up. Myco is just a shifter. And when I mean, I shouldn't say that. It's, it's a Navajo skin changer mm-hmm. is, is the best way to put it. That's in the real world, according. We just Wikipedia. Yep. We're not offending anyone. That's where they pulled it up. I looked. I went down a tail. Yes, there's a skin changer, skin walker. And to what end? And these people were evil. They were mm-hmm. as evil as it got. They would they would steal the skins of people and change into them or to other animals. And, and basically, they, they did bad things. Yep. This is the World of Darkness werewolf take on the Myco. I want to underline that. Mm-hmm. I know how a lot of people will get this misconstrued. We don't want to do that. Remember, this is fiction that we have here that was inspired by this tale. And the way this story is told, it's about three well-known guru. We're not going to ruin it for you. Um, and, and it's a classic Legends of the Guru story. Here's the guru. Here they go to handle a problem. Here's what it took. And, and in the end, there's a great, um, what are we looking at? A great moral to the story, right? A great purpose that it tells of what the guru are here for. But the important thing was the moot to me, the lupus delivering the story that you can get along with everybody else because you're a lupus. And I like the way it was ended. 
when the story was told, the lupus was done and, and went away. <laughs> yep. Right. He just just threw down his microphone and walked away. Like, Thank you. And good night. And it points out that, uh, you know, the tribe understood it was such a great performance. They, they give a howl of uh, forget what they actually called it, but basically thanked him. Mm-hmm. Or thank them like like a they howled it because they know they he could hear yeah. it like ah it's just his way he's out of here it's like Later. a guru version of a standing ovation is what they gave right him. um and that was awesome that was awesome to read and it definitely gives you an idea of how that's uh that society is going to view it right at least in, in their neck of the woods so to speak now nick i know you're a fan quite a bit we won't jump to the part that i'm definitely going to call you out on not yet, but uh, <laughs> we're going to get that. As it talks about the introduction, it gives some good insight into how to be a wolf. You know, I just, here's the one thing, folks, when you're going to get this book and when I'm asking you, Nick, would you summarize a lot of this introduction? The introduction kind of basically goes over that uh, that wolves and, and people are different and uh, and they view things in different ways. And uh, and they go over a, a small section where they kind of talk about uh, some some update in, in terminology where things were awkward in past books and we weren't quite sure. In here, they lay it out very specifically. They say lupus is not the same as wolf. Mm-hmm. And they say Hamid is not the same as human. And ferals are lupuses. Same thing. Um, so as we as we continue going on and we read stuff through there, it's important to note that that, you know, that difference, you know, they view lupus and wolves as entirely different things, you know, came from the same place, but they're not the same. I do enjoy some notes, though, in here that I, I was looking at uh, to, to give a tip. I'm playing a feral guru, which I think is the whole the whole point of this book. Right. Is this how mm-hmm. does one pull that off? And it talks about how lupus rarely have social connections. And they don't have resources, right? Money's not a thing to them. They don't even understand the vaguest conception. That in some ways they are more limited than other guru characters, and certainly are. Uh, a lupus will never have a high number of knowledges, and they will never blend in particularly well with infiltrating human society. Well, there is no, there's no, there's no lupus university. Um, you know, so it's uh, it's hard to get your academic skill up there. You're probably not going to have a solid larceny either. Um, you know, so just things to consider as, you, as you're as you're building your lupus character, probably don't put, you know, any drive in there <laughs> streetwise. It's probably Jesus. not going to be hip in the hills. I'd leave firearms off the list. I just don't think that's <laughs> very appropriate, right? So we can do that, too. But, you know, Scooby-Doo. No, nah, it doesn't help. Anyway, let's see. I just want to say, like I said, Scooby-Doo probably would go to university and he loves them a scuba oh, snack. That, that's not where so, I thought you were going. I thought you were going to talk about a detective lupus. Uh, this section does a great job of uh, of snapping you into the mindset that uh, you, you shouldn't be, you know, like uh, approaching this character creation the same way you normally would with previous Hamid characters you've had before. You know, think about it. You grew up in the wild. You're away from cities. You're away from the same social situations. It just uh, it really snaps the intro together to kind of get you in that basic mindset. Now, it also asks the question, too, if the if the guru are a dying breed, then the lupus guru are the personification of that final fate right mm-hmm. right out of the book. And it's like, so why play a lupus? And I think it's a, one of the most important, profound questions to have. It says, where if gives you the chance to take a unique viewpoint, that of a being much closer to nature than a human. Right. Stretches the limits of your imagination, force you to think like you weren't. You know, you get the idea. But same thing can be said. Why play a werewolf? 
Why play a role-playing game of a fictional character? Same reasoning, right? Why I mention this and I highlight is I want you to hear what the book had and kind of the feel, the flow of it, which is I feel this is written so people would play a lupus. Because you yeah. often hear, I won't let anybody play a lupus. Just, I don't, he's not going to understand what it is and blah, 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 blah. I agree that if you didn't look at this book, which is 71 pages, right? It's nothing. Mm-hmm. Trust me, it's nothing to read. Yeah. If you know you play a game week to week, you could read this in less than a day and, and call it a day, right? This book is so thin, you can't even jar it under your table to balance things out. Right. It's, <laughs> it's quick and done. And what's cool about it, it gives you the impression of what they intended. A lot of people ask for when a role-playing game, well, how do I play this? How do I portray it? What were they going for? I want that confidence. But am here it is. Here's, here's the type of book you would have for it. And so what I'm saying is storytellers out there, players out there, you want to play lupus, pick up the book. It's easy. You want to play Red Talon? This is a must. Mm-hmm. Now, you're going to say I play a Red Talon fine without ever reading this book because I'm a vet or I'm a vet tech or I love dogs or whatever. <laughs> <I'm a vet. laughs> I thought you were going with veteran. <laughs> yeah. Right. It's like, it's like whatever, veteran, whatever. And it's one of those things like certainly you could and it's good for you and whatnot and that's fine. But this would help enhance. Mm-hmm. Right. I don't know you like that. Maybe you are. Maybe you're fine. But this here shores up the work, helps you out, and uh, it's quick and easy. Now, a couple things on theme, and we'll roll through. It's about nature rising up to defend itself. It's that simple. It's slam dunk. That's what Ways of the Wolf is, right? It's a conflict between humans and nature, um, the wild versus everything else, and and how it's supposed to be in a definite balance. And they're the true warriors, in my opinion, when you talk about werewolf. They're the ones who really are on the extinction edge, both actually and even even amongst the unwerewolf, because it's easier for hominids to breed, clearly. Mm-hmm. So that would be your more populous of werewolves, it seems, and you would get menace more often than not than necessarily lupus, uh, born as they are. It's kind of a hard thing to do. Now, one of the other tips to give in here is to point out the mentality of a lupus. And that mentality is simple. Since the lupus, rational thought and comprehending what occurring is not important to them. Right. If something happens, it did. And you move on. It's a black and white approach. Mm-hmm. They accept what is happening rather than wasting time rationalizing why it did. And, you know, working to, to survive, to do what they do in their ends. That is the complexity that they're trying to land here. In the simplicity of playing a lupus, it is going to be hard for the human mind to keep it simple. Right. And I, like, we got a good method. Right. If you ever heard of the KISS method, KISS stands for K-I-S-S. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Keep it simple, stupid. Oh, I was thinking right. knights in Satan's service. No, no nothing about weirdos. <laughs> we call it peanut butter and jelly. He calls it deconstructed jam or whatever the hell. You know, oh, we're ready to go. We got Nick for that. Now, the theme rolls into the mood, though. If ever I would see a theme and mood that is so easy to translate to folks, it's this. So if the theme is what we just talked about, the mood then is deep abiding mystery. Mm-hmm. Right? To the lupus, the whole world would be new. Yeah. Right? If a wolf could be awakened and its mind suddenly saw the bigger picture, what would it go through? Now, add to the fact that it has the reasoning half that it could shift to, which is that of the hominid, which it doesn't like, but it's there yep. nonetheless. And it sees it very different. And that's the mature piece about playing a wolf that I don't think is easy for us. You know, and you, and you, and you kind of need that. And they got tons of other stuff to get into in terms of more information. But I'm going to sum up what the author maybe didn't have accessible at, what, 96 when this came out, I think it was? Uh, 93. Just 93. Yeah, I'm way I gave it three years. Hmm. Um, just online, right? Just take a look, stab, look up wolf activity, behavior. You, you'll get it. Yeah. And um, 
that's that's really about it. I mean, it's a nice intro about what a wolf is, right? That's that's the point. And then it's going to get into well, it goes in the deep well at that point. And we're going to because we're going to skip a chapter here because then it gets into fact of like the, the heritage of wolves and their canis lupus is what they're uh, the modern day wolves a, a, a neighborhood too, but whatever. But then the canine is that of a dog and they're part of there mm-hmm. and everything else. It does not sound good for a podcast, right? It's it's not at all. It's to say that it's good content. It's well delivered. It's short and sweet and to the point. But most of it is just us telling you what's in here and trying to pick out the the little nest eggs. Yeah. Of what it possibly could be to, and that's, you don't need that. You could figure it out. If you spend any time in the library holding a book, you're going to get that much. But is it good? Well, let's look where it does pick up some interesting points. Mm. One is it tells you about how there are, there's a weird dominance game that the Silver Fangs kind of play on the tribes here. And one of them is it says in the origins that in the North American continent, uh, the Silver Fangs and the Shadow Lords like to claim uh, that they all came from like Europe and Asia. And that was that. And and that's that's where all, there were wolves nowhere else, right? <laughs> and they call they call them foolish for it. Mm-hmm. Right? You know, that's one of them. And then the silver fangs go go at it to say it's not the well, the wolves say the territory doesn't matter, but we know we were everywhere. In fact, they not not only do they know that they were everywhere, they knew that they came from uh, before uh man, right? That's the point. They were wolves here before man was what's up nick i mean you can kind of think of this as like just a foolish notion in general right you're trying to explain to a wolf that his ancestors behind ancestors behind ancestors came from a place they've never been to don't care about and it's not in the now they're not there right now they don't care this person talking too much (laughs) (laughs) right right way too much that's an excellent way of putting it but especially when they try to tell them and uh, to spit it out correctly is that they're like, oh, North America is where they are. No, no, they didn't. We were all all sorts, right? And then some of things go, okay, okay, okay. But you have to admit that we know for a fact that wolves were born at the same time humans were. And the wolves laugh. And, and not only, they don't even bother laughing. Like, no, that's wrong. And they move on. <laughs> so like, Incorrect. And they're out. Right. And that's and, and they are correct. That is very much true because the guru realized that the werewolf, most of the other tribes get the werewolf could not have existed until humans walked the earth. That's the truth. Right. So there were wolves before. And that's where it is. They recognize that. So there is something to this mythology that the lupus have. Like if they have this wisdom to know that, then to them, they feel that they failed. Right. They weren't good enough as just wolves. So the guy comes along and builds his protector and takes the wolves, which they consider in the way they see it to be these strong pack hunters taking down the big threats and kind of because the wolves always already kind of call what they hunt, right? They hunt what is weak. They hunt what is sick. That's what feeds them as a whole. And then they move on and kind of keep that rotation. So they were already doing that duty. So you get an idea of where the thought of the game came from. Mm-hmm. But when humans get here, then the idea that we'll need guru to keep the humans in check, at least as the wolves see it. So it makes an interesting point because now we get an idea of the red talon mentality when they would not give like the red talons, it's black and white because they're dominantly lupus. Right. Mm-hmm. And so that's, that's it. So to them, if the humans are overpopulated and they're the ones that are corrupted, it's because humans are corrupted. So we call them, we call the day, we reduce them until they're where they need to be. Are they right? Or are they wrong? That's the question I have for you guys. This book highlights that the worm, the worm beget the humans. Right. In a lot of ways that this like, where did the human idea come from? A guy may have put him here, but the worm got a hold of him and made them something worse. Is that true? I think uh, I think humans were well uh, in this. They were they were changed by 
pretty much everything in the triad in one way or another, right? Certainly the worm had large corrupting influences on them, but is that, um, is that what really, uh, uh, steered them in this direction of, uh, well, destroying nature that the guru were fighting against? Uh, I think the book also makes a pretty good argument that uh, one of the reasons why they do that isn't even because of the worm, but because of the guru themselves, right? Like while the impergium was going on, there was a deep fear of wolves that this book does highlight in several places that humans don't just hate them because they're there, but they deeply fear them. And that fear is a driving part behind, you know, them calling wolves and then destroying habitats and going in that direction. I'm not going to uh, deny that, but what I'm trying to separate from, look at the guru is the, is the result, right? What the wolves are saying is that before humans were here, we were fine. Had humans never come on the scene, the wild existed just fine in nature. It was, it was, it was fine. The worm was fine. Mm-hmm. Wild was balanced. Worm was balanced. Guy was happy. However, when humans got here, something went off the rails. Yeah. Right. That, that's the interjection. Well, the uh, the biggest problem, of course, is that humans are the uh, well, they're the weaver bringers. I guess the best way to put it. It kind of hammers it right at the beginning of the book when it's when it's kind of telling you about the mood and and how the the lupus view the world. It's it's a world without weaver in it, and it, it's almost that's probably why it's so hard to imagine it because those intricacies, conceptualizations, the ideas of tools, the ideas of planning and strategizing, all that's gone because the lupus are at one with Gaia. They are together. They don't really try to make any crazy plans, right? They just let the hand of Gaia move them around. Which is very much freedom. That's that's wild, right? Yeah. That's that's everything in spontaneity. That's everything it should be. Now, when you think of at least to them, and what you think about it is, is okay, so if there was wild, and worm in harmony with Gaia, then that Weaver became something. We know Weaver was the newest of the triad on the scene. We know the Weaver was the strongest, at least towards the modern, right? That's why there's such a problem, because yep. it was able to trap the worm. And so that's what sets the worm off. Now, they're not incorrect in their statement, right? That's very much the truth. They're saying, when you got here, shit went sideways. We should have stayed in the Imperium, and we didn't. And that's that's on everybody. They're not saying they're not. They don't have a paw in it. They're saying we very much do, but they know that they know the situation. Right? That's how it goes down. Now, hang on. It just goes back to that point I made where I said, you know, was there a time that the Weaver didn't exist? And it raised some hackles and people are like, oh, the mm-hmm. book says the book says. And I'm like, yeah, it does. It does stay that. Catch what I said. If we're all representing somewhere and in the guru itself, you have the lupus which is the wild and then you have uh the the krinos we'll call it and all that and the changing forms is a melding of hamid with that we know the hamid would represent one of the triad and who does it closely represent nick already said it nailed it on the head the weaver mm-hmm. right and that's where it sits so the part in the middle when you combine the two in harmony is something altogether. krinos being thrown to the worm believe it or not uh because it's the it's the ender it's the renewer mm-hmm that was the um, question but, I was going to ask. All right. Well, yeah, you jump right on it. That's that's the thing. But what, what people are be thrown by, if you're talking about breeds, isn't Metis of the worm? And I'm going to say uh, a response you probably wouldn't expect. How dare you marginalize? <laughs> I don't think a Metis is born inherently worm-tainted just because they're the product of love from two guru. Um, 
I think who they knows are. what their purpose. That's the, that's the most beautiful corruption the worm has ever done. Not necessarily in the facet that a metis being born is corruption. It's how everything reacts to the metis being born that is the corruption. Yeah, and I would consider the metis being more akin to, to the wild as well. It's born with a lot of rage. It's born with those uh, those deformities that are random. Yep. You know, no one is the same. That's very much spontaneous. It's very much filled with that wild essence. Now, the fact it can't procreate, I feel, is a touch of the weaver because it's melding the two, right? Kronos is human and wild, or, hu- or lupus and human thrown into one, or what would happen if the wild and weaver met in the middle? Interesting. Right? Interesting, right? And it, it's you can, you can almost discuss this at exhaustion and, and what the combos can mean and what it could. And it's not in this book. It's just going <laughs> to highlight what we've read this far. <laughs> Today yeah. on the Wild Theories. Yeah, we'll save that for the Metis book. <laughs> right, let's save it for that. So, uh, but the point, the point is there's things that you can get from here. Just, uh, okay, cool. I now, now I'm getting this a little better, maybe a little more curious. Um, but when you roll on through and you start getting to those hard facts, I was a little shocked on, on some things, like in particular the lupus breeding. And at this point, we're talking about lupus not as an actual with wolves, just as this game intended, written for the fictitious guru. Mm-hmm. What's what's breeding with a wolf pack? The hard fast stats are here. I didn't expect to see somebody go all in on breeding. Yeah, they went they went deep in really a, a lot of aspects of wolf behavior, right? But it, it goes into even detail the uh, well the yearly cycle a lupus will go through, right? Like it never occurred to me that they're going to have their own separate wolf pack that they would go to for what three months out of the year they're just gone and uh well i'll let you guess is what they're doing there in that three months because we were just talking about it breeding being a deadbeat father yeah well no (laughs) (laughs) oh man i I actually enjoy whenever talk about a lupus finds a pack that it believes would make fine breeders he or she remains exclusively with that pack and i was like yeah no kidding humans do too (laughs) Yeah, as it turns out. <laughs> I was like, oh, imagine that. Oh, we're good to go. It's it's a fun thing, right? Um, probably one of the most important points to get that you don't really think from their perspective is what happens when uh, they're going to go through their first change. Right? When it's going to happen. Um, they talk about a responsibility that if you're with a pack and you know one's most likely going to be uh, a guru, they bind a kin fetch to it. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then let that that a pup run around till it hits its first change. And then it responsibly gets put towards a can and knows what to do. And instinct plays a ton of that with it. And there's a purity to it. It talks about that. And I, I dig that a lot where there's no discussion. Mm-hmm. Like in a lot of ways, this book was written black and white. Like if you're, if you're tired of hearing, do it the way you want in your game. You're not going to see that here. It's actually kind of interesting too, because you can be sitting there playing a lupus character and then the ST can just lead over and be like, Hey, um, it's breeding season back home and, uh, and you don't know why, but it's been on your mind constantly to go back to that old den over the valley where you came from by the, by the hill. And now you have to deal with that and the worm and your pack. Are you going to fulfill your role with Gaia, embrace your true nature? Or are you going to buck? See you in three months, guys. <laughs> Yeah. (laughs) 
I got to do my duty to Gaia. You got to go up to all the new cubs and and wipe the the Simba symbol across their forehead so the Kinfetch spirit knows to grab them when the time comes. <laughs> my son or daughter. It's it's probably how they do it. I don't know. I don't know. It's interesting. Uh, but but uh, select breeding, right? Here you get reminded. Well, you start seeing the the first signs of the breeding efforts put in by certain tribes. They talk about the Black Furies in particular have a have a staunch, devoted uh, breeding process as they try to make sure they get females. Yeah, they want females only. That's that's their dedication. Red Talons have done it too because they exclusively want lupus, and, and then there's the Silver Fangs, pure of blood, which mm-hmm. have always been doing it right. It's like all other breeding programs are just second to Silver Fangs' better <laughs> natures. Well, if everybody would just understand the silver fangs are simply better, this wouldn't be that much of a problem, yeah. right? Uh, but but until they see reason, you're just going to kind of have to make it better, right? That's how it is. Um, not that I saying anyone tribes better than the other silver fang, but uh, you know <laughs> that's just what that's just what they got going on. Now, uh, it touches on to the the Telta. If you folks, I, this is a question I know I was asked happenstance. Um, how fast does a lupus uh, die, given what goes on? And then folks quote, well, there's a flaw. You could take wolf ears and whatnot. You could. Uh, this book outlines it. Mm-hmm. Talks yep. about how the moment they make their first change, they age as fast as a human does. Right? That's it's up and done. That's what they get. Is it uh, any special thing? Are they immortal? No, you're werewolves. You're, you're, you're actually worse off than most people because <laughs> it's the apocalypse, right? For you. You have a long lifespan, but a high attrition rate. Now, and from there, it dips right into the red talons. That's the part I know that for a lot of folks, it's like, wait a second, what happened? This is a tribe book? Yeah, that threw me for a loop, too. Uh, this, it, like you said, this is a mini tribe book form, but it went in more to just uh, describe how that tribe, well how individual lupus act, right? It also went into like tribal structure. And uh, that, that was a little surprising for me too, for the, to, for it to have um, like, there's one pack of all the red talent alphas, right? And then once uh bloody eye or whatever his name was, gives them the orders, they all go back to their individual packs and they're like, all right, this is what we're doing guys. Is it killing humans? It's killing humans. <laughs> We've all seen a pyramid scheme before, right? right? <laughs> like, are they are they going out selling like pre workout as well? What is happening here? <laughs> and w- one of the things I dig about the red talents too that when you hear the hype and all they want to do is kill humans, I'm actually found it refreshing when you hear about Scabwalker, mm-hmm. right? It's the most powerful lupus of, yeah. of this young faction of red talents, and they're in the city, not not just killing humans, but also looking for those worthy yeah. of preservation. Which it's odd that they would look in the city to find those worthy, like of a red talons perspective of, of keeping around. It's got to be very slim pickings. Well, they got to be <laughs> thorough, right? They got to be thorough so they can bring them back to, uh, I guess, their human conservation pens they set up. I just imagine they have the human equivalent of all like the wolf preservation areas. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's just me. You're only allowed between these two mountain peaks. <laughs> <laughs> when you went to your office, did you use the elevator or the stairs? Wait, I, I used the elevator to kill him. Hang on, this one has a Fitbit. We'll spare them. <laughs> but it's Weaver Tech. Yeah, but he's strong. And he's willing to be tagged. We could take that. Gonna... <laughs> 
Uh, here, here's the other thing that I that I found interesting here too, right? The get of Fenris uh, when it comes into like aspects of the lupus. I highlighted it because I'm like almost hell bent to find this this Nazi portrayal. Uh, and and like, well, I'm looking for it now. Before uh-huh. I was like, how did I read this stuff? And I didn't get the impression I keep being told is there. And I'm looking at it. And it's like they they hunt it down, right? They they mentioned the word. It's in this book, right? It's the fall of the Nazis. Right, the newfound freedom of the Warsaw countries who kept the get from maintaining the uh, the kind of power hold that they would like in their mm-hmm. native territories. They often travel abroad seeking to expand their power base. And when I read this, I was like, "Going okay, so this is just talking about get a Fenris. There's a war. It was bad. That happened. This happened." I was like, "Huh? I don't know. I didn't. I didn't get that this lupus part was uh, doing anything but just stating that this is what the get did." Yep. Yeah, it, it, it basically hints that they were using fascism as a way of controlling the wolf population and, you know, stopping people from coming at them. Um, I'm not no joke. Like, I was like, going, OK, I don't see. All right. That's, I just mentioned it. Sorry, I will. I will stop doing that going forward. <laughs> um, just it's it's one of those things that baffled me. Like, I'm trying to it's when I look at this material, when it's something you enjoyed and someone mentions that there's such hate that you should have for it. Yeah. Well, I look for it. Right, because I agree with that open-mindedness and a different set of eyes can actually show you different things. And uh, you, you look for it. And some of it we did find, right? Some of it was pretty rocky starting off, but it's like they're opening up borders here as they're, as they're figuring it out. Um, but I digress big time. Glasswalkers are the villain in this book. You don't say. <laughs> right? <laughs> However, it's not what you think. Right. What they say about Glasswogs, the tribe is one least likely to have feral members. And when they refer to feral, meaning born as their lupus born. Mm-hmm. Yep. And uh, they're careful about breeding, but only among humans. And it's like, duh. However, <laughs> occasionally one of their number has an urge to go native, as it says, and mates with a wolf. <laughs> right? Um, the Glasswalkers will take care of, their, of these uh, unwanted children, though, as it's pointed out. Whereas the Red Talons won't. They yep. just treat them like idiot cousins or retarded children. <laughs> Right? I, I don't you edit it. That's a quote. That's a quote. That's a quote. I see your face, Nick. It's a quote. Page 34, Glasswalkers, first paragraph. I don't understand sentence. why you always consider like a double down, double down. It's it's a double down because it's not me that said it. I'm just saying it. I put it in here. Just because say it's a, and I quote. Blah 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 blah. Jesus. <laughs> Just because people are going to misunderstand that they're going to have some ideas about Bob's opinion on social structures in the, in the states. <laughs> uh, mea culpa is all I'm saying. That's what it says right here. That's why I said it that way. <laughs> Just mm-hmm. leave it there. Just right there, pointing it out. So don't make it a thing. Ninety three was when this book was written. That's what I'm pointing out. Maybe the verbiage was a little different back then, and it was. Moving on, uh, we're getting through this <laughs> section. Every every tribe has a lupus they mention and give that perspective of what they do with it. Really, the hardcore are the glass walkers, and more or less, I kind of feel everyone else accepts them. Right? I mean, for the vast majority, they accept them. It's just highlighting that the red talons don't accept Hamid or really menace with them. If mm. you're not lupus, you're going to another tribe. Or you or, kill. Or, yeah, or you're ripped you apart. It. You said it. Like, it just doesn't gonna work out for you, kid. We're sorry. Yeah, but it's, a fun uh, aspect. The, the cool thing is it says is that the Red Talons believe them to already be corrupted, right? And that the only time they'll basically deal with them at all is when they're pointing them to other worm. <laughs> you do what you gotta do, right? It's a <laughs> um, 
bears mentioning that not just the good ones, right? Black Sparrow dancers, uh, they they represent lupus pretty well. They enjoy having the ferals, have yep. them around. It's fun. Uh, they they point out to the fact that they're probably least resistant. They just see the sparrows as anything else, right? That that's remember what's the lupus mentality? Yeah, you accept it. Yep, it happened. Get over it. Move on, because that's survival. And so to the spider to the spiders to the spirals glee, anything they do, these these lupus kinfolk are just going to take it and call it a day. This is where I start to see the real cruel victimization that I know gets overlooked for a lot of people in Werewolf. Because I, well, I know it because I did it. I never even thought about that. The reason a lot of people like to think the lupus are going to take these heroic stances. Oh, they're killing wolves in mass over here with bullets and, uh, and everything. And it's, let's let's go. All the lupus are going to run over there and smoke them. Mm, would they? Would they? Or would they accept that that territory is dangerous and not go there? Right? Wouldn't survival kick in first unless that was their territory? Yeah, wolves don't wolves don't wage war, right? That's a that's a foreign concept to them. Like this is our territory. We're over here. Uh just don't go over there. There be yep. dragons. Now, if they were if they were in the mix, sure. If all they're out there with their pack bullets come down and do something, I could see that. Or they would hunt them afterward, especially if they could track them and, and see to their end, certainly. But if they couldn't, can't track them and I can't fly then we're getting out of here and then, and then we're not coming back, you know, or if we do, it's when we can find them and have assurances and that becomes cool. But with the dancers here, they, they kind of go here, just pointing out the fact that you got to understand that whatever the black sparrow dancers do to them, um, they, they effectively have a well-represented uh, breeding system uh, for a lot of what they do. Remember the black sparrows also keep menace. Mm-hmm. There's yeah. nothing against them having guru guru and the black sparrows. Great. Guarantees the menace. Happy to have you. <laughs> I mean, they're going to be around. Seems they're equipped for the apocalypse. I'm not saying they're a favorite, but uh, so far we're looking at the worm only needs one tribe to do well. Guy is screwing up at 13. Right? That's <laughs> can't seem to get it done. Now, vampires are mentioned here too. And it's important to note that where they get into the fact that protean stuff's going on, um, why do you think that they're driving home vampires in the ways of the wolf book in terms of like how lupus should respond to it? I think specifically for gangrels is is why they brought it up in here. Like nobody needs to to talk about uh, how would a how would a werewolf react to to seeing a vampire, right? We all know. Well, they're just going to they're going to fight unless they're glass walkers because glass walkers make shady deals. But the the interesting part about this it talks about specifically gangrels when they go into wolf form and go into the wild and a lupus catches them what happens um in in the in the case of a red talon they get got immediately no questions asked you may be wondering why i I really hope you're not um isn't that what they do yeah it seems pretty straightforward to me like if they know it's a vampire well it's a enemy you're gonna rip it apart if they think it's just another wolf well this wolf's trying to get on my territory He's not part of my pack, so they're either going to rip it apart or they're going to beat it and send it on its way. Right, and that's if for some reason the werewolf couldn't tell it's a vampire. I guarantee you, if a werewolf gets into a fight with a vampire, it'll figure it out. I imagine that a gangrel will make as good of a wolf as I will. Um, if I was able to change into wolf form. I can form. see that. As in, it's interesting. Not good. 
for those not following along. <laughs> I, I just put it's interesting. Was it gonna? Because I thought it would sense an entertaining conversation. Was I was like, all right. Well, uh, we could draw we could draw a correlation to it. Imagine that uh, that Yankee Doodle Nick decided to go down to Tennessee Sam. And he goes down there and he decides he's going to integrate with them in a bar and just have a casual conversation. Oh, man. How long do you think it would take before they would, uh, they'd be like, something's wrong with I, this I, guy. I need to order Nick a double and get him out of there quick. <laughs> uh, it's time to go, Nick. We got to go. Why? Uh, Bubba just got here with his truck. You see the gun, the gun rack in the cab. We gotta, but we I'm gotta wearing go. flannel. You don't understand. That's, it I might know. as well. You're wearing flannel. You're not wearing camo. That's the tell. <laughs> <laughs> so, cooler aspects of the Yankee Doodle Dick that Kate starts smiling about. Um, they talk about perceptions of a lupus, how to play one. And they highlight quickly that humans only think in typically one sense, right? And uh, you know what they can hear, what they can see. Usually, maybe a combo of those two. But a lupus experiences the world in all senses, right? Smelling, hearing, taste, touch, the whole nine. And uh, they highlight that you know meeting a stranger and they, they most likely to sniff and to taste them if possible. And it's something they do naturally to get a better idea of who they are. And we wouldn't understand that. Oh no! It, it even brings up the idea of them communicating concepts in the form of smells. Which is, uh, you know, with our weak noses, is not going to happen. You know, they talk about like uh, some hobo wanders into the woods and they give him a sniff and he's got that five days outside of a shower, uh, you know, from under cheese kind of wafting out of his, <laughs> his torn britches. And they're like, yep, that's how it should be. <laughs> he's okay. Yeah, he's a rain dance, so he should smell that way. Scab Walker comes over. We found another one. This lady, this lady with the Kelvin Klein on, though, get rid of her. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Uh, ah, it's kind of dist- it's derailing. It's like, going, oh yeah, that's accepted, but uh, we're humans. We we have hygiene. We you know bottles of perfume. Uh, we shave, you know, or whatever, and that's that that's a thing. And uh, they they just don't. So some key aspects is to use that perception to highlight that you're not human and yeah. to focus on it. Like if you ever do that, and that's that's what it's saying. It's not you're wrong if you're not doing it. Think of this to help you stay in character. Mm-hmm. The thinking process is different, too. For instance, you don't have to be a lupus-born character. That doesn't have to be your breed for you to act the role of lupus. In fact, they tell you that when you shift through forms, it does change your mentality because your perception alters. Right? Just like Kronos will govern you to a more rage response, most violence will come from a Kronos. Mm-hmm. When you shift to Hamid, you'll think like a human. You know, concepts are not so black and white. They're, you know, the gray comes back in. You're just seeing things the way humans do. Um, however, go to lupus for a minute. Welcome to that all perception, black and white, dealing with what comes as it comes and moving on sort of way that you got to be. Now, does that mean that people should be constantly shifting from scene to scene to match the heavy, deep thoughts they want? Yes. Yes. I mean, if you want to go by the book, do what's comfortable for you. This is literally giving you cues as to how you could perceive something or want to act for. For instance, if I'm hanging out with a pack of lupus mostly and I'm hanging out and lupus been with them for like a month and we're running around doing everything, I may not be as bothered when someone tells me a loved one died. Right. I know grandma passed away in the hospital and I get told that I'm in lupus and I just, okay. It's happened. Move oh, on. Well, should, 
shouldn't have fit well it's natural cycle you know cheat all things under guy let's go whereas what if i went to hobbit and i think about that thought again it's not that i i just divorced myself of the thought it's that in that mode that emotion trigger didn't hit but then when i'm in hobbit that night in my tent or whatever give it time and suddenly yeah remembering the memories and what she was like and dwell on it more that it's most likely going to come out it's an interesting throw in by the author to add as another trigger to play with another quirk i should say not trigger but uh, a quirk to play with uh to help enhance what you could do because i could see it i yep. guess and it makes sense now you'll find the typical settings in here that they do pitch right if it's lupus you get an idea that most likely a wilderness setting is going to be your go-to yes it will be right <laughs> But if it's a modern day setting, mixing with cities, you know, skirts, parks, whatever, or the umber dominantly, all these things are doable. And of course, you get lupus of note, at least of what in 93, what lupus of note were. Um, now, more modernists would probably be more like just ancestors, right? To talk about and roll in. And I highly recommend them for that very aspect uh, because it's cool. A lot of people have struggled with backgrounds, and particularly with werewolf, like they can't envision a lot of the. Because when it's not a historical immortality, i.e. you don't have all of time to kind of pitch what your background could be, and it's more finite, uh, the questions get more to the point. What did you really do and all that fun stuff? And some people can find it boring. What what were you in life? What did you do? I really can't imagine it. It's nice to have some NPC fodder, I'll call it, or just don't matters to look at and see what it could be and maybe tie them in your background a little bit. Get an aspect of what you might be like. You know, maybe old Tundra Runner was in your background, and that's why you like the cold and running across the tundra so much. <laughs> <laughs> you know, whatever it is. Sometimes it's simple, but it's red talent love. You know, just do 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 you uh, when it comes to that. What I'm trying to get to, there, there's some fun stuff in this book as well that we came across that just, well, I'm glad it was 93 and we, we didn't forget it, right? Nick. How how do hunters work in this uh in this book? Um, based on based on hunters in this book, I would probably avoid them entirely. Um, and because uh, it's it's garbage, it just is. Uh, how so? Are you are you telling me, Nick, that hunters are not in fact uh, egotistical, gun happy individuals who relish in the killing more than any trophies or anything they would take from the carcass? Let's clarify this. When they're saying hunters, they don't mean lupus hunters or, or werewolf hunters. They mean uh, they mean like just your casual hunter out there, uh, you know, hunting in the woods. Well, what, Bob, what was that question again? How did he like that representation? I'm assuming the answer was not at all. Yeah, right. That's that's what I was. I was just letting it out what, and what he thought. Right. Because in here it says, you know. Hunters are rarely foolish enough to stay overnight in the woods. Occasionally, a guru will kill one or two, making it look like the attack of a bear. However, this can compromise the veil. More calling the guru will use gifts, strange howls, and ominous shadows to completely fool and trick a hunter. And Yeah, that's right. They, they draw shadow puppets on the side of your tent in the middle of the moonlight yeah, to get you to go. Yeah, that's what they do. There's that, but Brentron, there's more. I know I know. Nick is just, he, Nick's read this. I know you know this big guy. But it says, hunters with rifles usually kill for food or trophy furs. 
That's repeat. That if they have a rifle, that's what a hunter does. However, there are those hunters that carry shotguns and some machine guns. Those are the individuals that take great pleasure in slaughtering animals, caring little about the condition of, of the body at all. They just do drive-bys and herds of caribou. First of just, all, you know, I, have, I have never seen a hunter use a submachine gun before. I have, but it was Ted Nugent out of the side of a helicopter. Okay, so it doesn't count. Yeah, it, that's because he he's insane. Um, no. But this is ridiculousness. Um without without question there's a the way that they portray hunters in here is more than just the villain it's uh it's beyond like disrespectful corrupted madness right it these uh these guys who are out here like if in this game every one of these is doctor i just killed a a lion and put it up on my facebook post and uh only times 10 Right. It's like that guy who was out there doing that trophy hunt for his uh, whatever, however much he paid to, to go out there and do that. But they took that and every other aspect and made it way worse. Not only is he out there just killing these uh, these awesome lions, he's out there shooting squirrels on the ground. He saw a meerkat over there and he killed that for fun. And then uh, he decided he was going to pop a couple buffalo, drag some crocodiles out of the water, and he just comes home with this giant wagon full of awesome trophies. Now, would you say that they're grabbing the stereotype of, of what a hunter would be, that there there might be some truth to people who do do that? Um, if there's truth to people who do do that, I've never met them. I've never even seen a hunter stereotype like that. Like my hunter stereotypes have been someone who went out into the backyard, shot a deer from their back porch and then made jerky that afternoon. That's been my hunter stereotype experience. Now, my hunter stereotype is exactly what they're talking about. Oh, is it? <laughs> right. It is not. It is like like down south living like I don't you guys are must be perfect apex people because where I was, it was like, oh, let's go grab 22s and shoot at squirrels <laughs> for what? Because we can. Uh, right, that's that was the only justification. Uh, my dad, my daddy got a new sidearm. Let's go use it. On what? And why are we shooting a gun? Oh, well, because you got to learn to hunt. Really? Yeah. What like, do I, they do on there? That's that's what gets done. Like we we've had right? a lot of shoot at bottles. Let's shoot at whatever. You know, that's it. You got to use okay, them. Shoot at bottles. Yeah. Hell yeah. That I'm used to. Sure. <laughs> I'm uh, not going to lie. It, I've grabbed a 22 and I've, I've gone out in the woods and I've, I've shot squirrels, but I also ate them. Yeah. That's not always the case. Sometimes people shoot to just shoot and they kill to just kill. And it's playing to a stereotype. I'm not saying everybody does it, but I'm saying if you take a group of hunters, there's going to be one or two of 10. We'll just give a number. Most likely, they're the ones who are like, this is just fun to shoot at things. Yeah, we go to... And, and not care. There's, that's there for a reason. Now, I only state that because they didn't maliciously throw it in a book because they don't know what they're talking about. No. It's uh, it's it actually kind of, like, in all seriousness, it plays close to a stereotype we have for people from Illinois um, who come up from the city to to do their, their deer hunting that one or two weeks that this is the only time they do any hunting and they just come up, stomp around like a bunch of fools shooting at anything that moves in the woods and then driving their Mercedes back down to the city. And I mean, it exists is what we're saying above all it exists. If you don't think it exists, look at the great white hunter, <laughs> right? That old, that old caricature character that would go on safari and how, how worse it gets. So instead of just being an adventurer, you know, it's in the wilds of Africa, look at them shooting rhinos and other things. And you ask why? 
to mount them on my wall. They weren't eating rhino steaks later that day. Right? That's that's another thing that's playing to that trope. They're highlighting there's an evil to it. Right? Nick's if you're offended because you're a hunter. Yeah. You kill it, you eat it, you use it, and that's what it is. And this this entry should at that point be that way. But if you miss the point where it says in werewolf, bold letters, mm-hmm. most hunters are obnoxious, egotistical men, specifically men. They believe that their intelligence and superior weaponry makes them masters of all they survey. Little do they know. A hunter typically has, let me take that back. Little do they know, dot, 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 and then it rolls into their statistics. Mm-hmm. It does not give them godlike statistics. What it's doing is it's giving you victims, right? If you're lupus, remember the perspective of the book we're in. If you're lupus and you're reading this, you go through and you see it. These are the guys you're looking for. These are the people who abuse the land and would abuse Gaia and would, you know, honestly qualify. Nick might be the guy that the Red Talons won't kill. The first pass. But if his ass is around second, still standing on two legs going, right? That's <laughs> You better get your meat quick and get on the truck and get out of here. <laughs> right? That's how they're going to see it. But, uh, you know, if you're the guy who just came, if you Ted Nugent it up, well, they're going to find you, Ted. Right? <laughs> that's, that's how this is highlighting. And it's just an entry of an interesting character. Why I like it is because that controversy it generates. Like, I dig the fact that he wrote this from a perspective that made you feel like you son of a these people are garbage. Don't they know? Yes. Yes. The author was aware. And he was, he was generating this to get a reaction from you and got exactly that. And I dig that whenever that happens, it means that the image was hit, right? The theme was hit, right? You're in the right pocket to play that lupus now. Right. Um, they go through shelter and plants and why they eat them. And yes, wolves do sometimes eat plants just like dogs. do. Mm-hmm. will eat grass if they have a sad, a sour stomach or whatever. And that's uh, what they do. However, wilderness rules are thrown in here i mean by wilderness rules you'll see these in any standard book base book you have ever tracking search shadowing hunting yeah i believe it'll be somewhere in like germanic rules or germanic systems uh typically in any base book that'll kind of get the ball rolling on it uh in here they just highlight what it is it's it's nice that they have it um but ultimately you're good to go if you've ever read these and understand what that's for now the appendix is where the fun begins Again, this is written in 93. Most of the gifts in here are fine, but it still bothers me that there was a gift find water. <laughs> right? I'm thinking you're a guru. You're a supernatural hunter killer. You had to have a gift to help you find water because you're a lupus. And I'm thinking to myself, wouldn't that be summed up with survival even back when this was written? <laughs> you know what I mean? There'd be a skill set to do it. And I was like, it's okay. But what, what are we trying to do? Sense prey, eyes the eagle, blah, blah, blah. Most of this is just to go, these are some of the gifts you want to look out for when being a lupus and what you want to do. Really, modern updates to gifts just fine. I'd stick to the modern. Uh, All those rules updates are there too for it. Save one to let you know how serious they were about breeding. uh, There's two breeding rights in here. Right of birth time and right of pure breeding. I'd give them a look. You know, just see how you do. If they bear any warrant to mention to have in your game. Um, I say that because this is the only place I've ever seen them. I, I don't recall seeing them elsewhere. It doesn't mean I'm not going to stumble across them going forward, but it was never a focus. It's probably more to the point that I should I should see. Um, do you guys think that breeding should be a focus in a werewolf game? Yeah, um, I, you know, like a, I guess the what level of focus should it be the focus of your werewolf game? No, 
But should it be focused on in your werewolf game? Definitely. Breeding is important to the guru. They wouldn't go through so much effort to constantly be talking about it if it wasn't important. I agree with Nick 100%. I don't I don't ever see that as being like a main staple of any chronicle or plotline, but that that is a part of Guru society, right? The dwindling numbers and uh, breeding is a, a a duty of a guru, right? Uh, they there is even um, guru even held in high esteem by taking and keeping like mates for well, long times, presumably lifetimes, right? That is a facet of their society, and I don't think it's something that should be ignored. Uh, to what level? Oh, the what level? It, it'll vary on players and what you're actually doing. Like, if you're making... If you have a plot that is centered around one cairn, right? Um, where the, the taking care of that cairn and that protectorate is uh, the focus, uh, then I think it would have a higher focus than, say, raging your way across New York or Russia. Does that make sense? I would say bring it up in a session or so, maybe as part of a story. It doesn't need to be a strong focus, but it needs to be, it needs to not leave the character's mind. Like if they're around and they decide they're going to scab walk and they see like a, a particularly wolfish lady um, kind of fumbling around in the bushes, they might be like, oh, maybe that's good breeding stock. Would you capitalize on that in this moment? Now, now, here's where why I said that, uh, you know, well, at least me personally, I avoid it. I, I avoid it a lot because of the discomfort. Um, a lot of people have a shutoff point um, or a trigger, you know, in that area. I'm not a wolf. I don't want to talk about breeding wolves. It's not it's not what I'm playing for. Uh, but I'm cool with it being in the backdrop. Like, we got to defend kinfolk. Mm-hmm. I'm down with that. I'm not down with the werewolf mentality towards kinfolk. Right. Like, like to me, kinfolk almost feel like hostages a bit. We can only breed with them, so that's what we're going to yeah, go I, for. I agree with yeah. that a bit. At some point, they become like, you know, pets or just breeding stock, and depending on in, in some people's description of them, I'm like, this is this is weird. I think kinfolk do have a measure of respect amongst the guru, right? Because, you know, they're still kin. That that word is important. <laughs> they have a whole book about why they're, they're special. Question isn't whether they're special. We know why. They're kinfolk because they are for breeding guru, right? They get that's that's they're not affected by the delirium. They're able to understand the concepts they have. They're almost guru, but they're not. And so they're they need to be protected and, and all that. And it's not to say that they force kinfolk to do anything, but they do peer pressure the shit out of them. <laughs> right? By the title of what it is. And if you're a lupus, yeah, they kind of do force you. Because it's not like you're gonna complain. You let nature takes it, take its course. Either that person's compatible or they're not. And then if you're me, I think, well, cruelly, you're compatible because you're a guru. They're not. So when you come out there and it's that time and I'm like, yeah, I'd rather not look at that. Right. Because I, I could see it. It doesn't have to be portrayed that way. It doesn't have to be put that way. And for me as an ST, I would leave it up to the player as to how it's done. Right. Because you can make a beautiful claim how just when it's time, they go into the woods, bubbling brooks. Bird in the sky. They have a drink by the creek, and night hits. Yeah, you just call it the ride of Bowchicka Bow Wow, right? Just go along with the Whatever. other two, the other two rides in Whatever. this book, and just leave it at that. Make it happen. Spring is the season, and now it is fall. Right. Mm-hmm. That's my recommendation. Now, when it comes to romance, does that involve what goes on? Yeah, but this this is ways of the wolf. This isn't ways ways how how to win friends and influence people. <laughs> this book is not. So 
in Ways of the Wolf, let's underline something, though. If you choose to do a chronicle with it and whatnot and what goes on, remember how a wolf would do it. Right? Just keep that in mind. Be direct. Not caring about the consequence. I've heard bad roleplay before that got real uncomfortable real quick. Like, the danger, and why I know for a fact that uh, in, a, in a tabletop that we ran, which led to a live action as well, where Lupus was banned, was where a guy took a pure breed of five and decided they were going to jump a homin woman and have his way with her and walk off, and it was perfectly fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? And then someone turned around and said, it's rape, and he said, it's breeding, it's part of the litany. No. And, and folks wanted to have that debate. And I sat there and I said to myself, well, if you're a wolf. It, it talks about breeding in here in those sections, why they have like uh, breeding packs and things like that to avoid that situation that you're bringing up just there. Because in my opinion, that's uh, that's an insensitive player. No shit. Yeah, that's a word for him. Right? I just, <laughs> I just want to highlight that. But it's one of those things where if you don't tell a player, if in other words, what it puts on here is in part of werewolf that I don't like that lupus you don't play because you open up a door and that door says to a crafty creative player it is incredibly disruptive and easy to be immature when you portray something and you will be backed by the rules it's there it's as abused as anything else can be but because it's lupus because you could stand back and make a that strong argument you know or, or what that player did um which is honestly caused the st to erupt in, in a problem in game and uh you know i i only mentioned because i had to mediate the thing and he had a point you know that's what a wolf would do but then it was like also you you knew you knew out of game mm-hmm. that that wasn't a thing to do that's what we're talking about just because the rules say one way yeah you could do it you don't do it because you're a human being and you're playing a game mm-hmm. with yeah. friends that would be offended by it that's the line folks that's why you know that discussion it needs to be had and you need to watch it with that because there's a lot of info, a lot of things you can take and misconstrue from its purpose and get it wrong. But that's the number one reason why I pull on a personal bias when I said that breeding, eh, shaky ground with me because people are squirreling. I can see that. You never know what they're going to do. The other hand, though, could you could it be good? Do I agree with Brent, Tron, and Nick? Yeah, it could be. You could run an entire plot of someone who's a, um, like, you could, why couldn't it be this story of a, a, a variation of the the princess? Right, trapped in the tower, if you will. But instead of a princess, uh, you made it that uh, that male pup of a pack who is going to be growing up out in the wilderness somewhere. And you have a lupus player uh, that's male as well, but he's infertile, has the infertile flaw, or for whatever reason can't. And there is a pack of wolves that you know they're dying breed. We need to find this guy because he'd be a strong fit. Possibly even he's a latent guru or a late bloomer, or even win his first change, but on his own. And they got to find him. And they got to see if that's going to happen. That's a good plot. There's a lot of things that you can have for that. It might even be a rite of passage for some people starting out. And that's not a bad thing. I could see it. Just caveat, right? That's all I'm adding to it. It is weird. I just, like, in my mind, I just started putting, like, uh, deed names to to different uh, fairy tale characters. Like, spins the hay to straw, or spins the straw, and uh, and hangs the hair from the tower. <laughs> <laughs> It's like, ah, this is getting weird now. (laughs) Hey, what's a glues cap? Oh, what? I don't even know. Like, I'll be honest with you. I don't even know. I I guess it's a warrior that really likes it when you you gotta fight something that ain't right. (laughs) When you gotta... 
Like, what do you got? In the Marvel universe, it would only care if you fought Abomination, right? And the Hulk. Like, uh, nothing normal is coming after you, but Killer Croc? Yeah, he's too big. Hunt him. That's what they're saying, right? The, the total. Okay. Let me, uh, let me, let me step you through it. Um, yeah, I'll do please this do. In a, in a Take me on this journey. So, Glooscap is a, is a warrior spirit, right? But, uh, there's only, there's only one thing that really bothers him. And that's when things have been corrupted to be bigger than their normal size, <laughs> right? So, you know, <laughs> one corrupted bear that's turned into a giant ravenous bear. Um, that of course would need to be hunted by by followers of uh, of Glooscap, who's a totem man. You know, obviously of respect. Um, yikes! <laughs> no one tell him. No one tell him about Jumbo Shrimp. All right, he'll destroy every red lobster in existence, and we can't have that. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's it's a great story. A uh, Glooscap is a story. Um, Obviously, I just I just put in the search engine, looked at it earlier. I did it again, and just it's a lot to read, but it exists. Obviously, pulled from somewhere, um, and the story comes from uh, Alfonso Ortiz. Even in the quote, it's uh, American Indians myths and legends is where they pulled it from, and they made it a totem of respect. Um, I see no problem with this. Um, why I even have to say this? Because when it comes to when you throw it in there, I like the fact it gets you to do just that. What the hell's a loose cap? I don't understand. Never heard this before. What's going on? I think that's awesome, right? It's a culture you don't know. It's new. It's kind of cool to figure out and have it in there. And it's like, but is it Guru? Hell yeah, it's Guru. It's a it's, it's a respect totem. It's someone that you can groove to that maybe you like. Somebody with small dog syndrome. <laughs> huh? Got a Napoleon complex. I, I think we found your totem. I feel. Right? Seems to work just fine. I feel like I'm being attacked. <laughs> I didn't see you. Who said yeah, you? I just why? looked at you. That's weird. Yeah, I know. I picked that up. <laughs> <laughs> another one we have hair is a totem of wisdom right if you're ever wondering if you know where's rabbit well it's called hair and he exists and he does his thing and uh he also didn't read the book well enough because it exists in other forms too uh but that's here but the point is that we're labeling here animals as actual totems things that come mm-hmm. across that are not the weird mythical animals either it's just three quick examples of what goes on and um you move on but then it also gets in the fact that there are plants of course that have some power as well and we often overlook the flora uh, in favor of the fauna i thought this through. was cool i thought this entire area w- was cool like this it's up this was something i just didn't think of before the idea that you just grab something you do the right of spirit awakening in it and then bind it as like a, a minor talon that just you know allows it to carry on its nature it's like uh you know pulling up like a like a piece of uh of like poison ivy or something like that awakening the spirit and then just throwing it at people as like some kind of weird you know pustule forming uh wisp thing you know it kind of makes you wonder if pocket sand if you awaken it will actually be effective i mean it's not effective at all (laughs) pocket sand only thing it does is get your pants dirty Nick Nick sounds a little sour on that one, right? Like it was it was hyped up more than <laughs> delivered on. <laughs> uh, it's cool. I like the fact that there are some plants that point out that directly heal aggravated damage or treat toxic substances yep. that cause aggravated damage. That's fun, and to me, could still exist in a game. Why why rule them out? Mm-hmm. You know, it would be pretty cool to have in and still uh, being a balance. Guru take a lot of ag. 
Just saying. Yeah, uh, a couple. The uh, they they go through a handful of examples in here, and you can kind of you know like read them. It's always uh you know like weird stuff that you know like folklorish folk medicine type stuff, and has its natural properties. If you did what I did when you got to the fetish and talent section, and saw how exhaustive the list was and how complex the like. Let me give you the complexity of this fetish. <laughs> you wouldn't think the wild would be so complex, but it is. Tool stick. <laughs> this rather simple stick. A branch broken off of a tree can transform into any tool, hammer, wrench, you name it. Although it is still made of wood, it is hard as steel. Ah, how neat. That's a powerful level three fetish, you know, that's, uh, well, to a lupus it would be, right? It's like a key to the city or whatever else. I I just can't stop smiling at it. I love it because I find it cute. It really, (laughs) that lupus in your pack. Oh man, I wish I have. I got it. Do you really? Yeah, use my stick. It's cool. Here's my wooden wrench. To fix a car, it's a bonding moment. Just saying. Uh, they got ta- it's, It amazes me that basically, when you think of a lupus fetish, it should be something that a lupus wouldn't mind using that would help them do things that humans do. <laughs> I, this book has my all-time favorite fetish in it. Are you kidding me? Bouncing rock? like i read i stopped and i read this and i got like elementary school flashbacks when we were throwing like those well bouncing balls like at the you know at the wall and catching it back right except you can use it as a weapon or like a a thor's hammer because it just comes right back to you you're never bored you always have a weapon in combat granted you have to have hands to throw it unless you learn to like throw with your mouth i guess it's kind of awkward for a lupus but hey whatever (laughs) <laughs> I think you just can't get in the right mentality of, of a wolf, you know? Of course, you go to the natural, like, David and Goliath sling throwing rock thing. I, I did. Uh, for me, the best one in here is the fish swatter, right? <laughs> yes. You just slap yes. the river and out pops a fish. Oh, it's the greatest fetish ever made. <laughs> it's only level two. I Why I love fish swatter, and it is one of the greatest fetishes ever made, is because it works for the bonar I'm going to play next. Uh, <laughs> Constantly getting uh, harassed. He's like, oh, like I wish goes we up had to a and just slaps it. <laughs> He's like, oh, you're hungry? Eat it. You get hit in the face with a trout. <laughs> Keep walking. <laughs> he had that the whole time? Like, I mean, three-day-old pizza. It just tickles me. He's been over there it. at the California or the Los Angeles River just slapping the water with a stick, and everyone's around. I'm like, what the hell? <laughs> the one I couldn't stop laughing at either was the leaf yeah. armor. Yeah. You know, just in case you miss Legolas that bad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He comes. <laughs> or, for more humor, Firestarter. What we would call a Zippo. Yeah, right. Only this is just, once again, a stick. Can't you just get, like, two sticks and do the same thing? Get two <laughs> sticks. Can't you just get a Zippo? Can't you just get a Zippo? Not just if you're get a, a Zippo. You can. You can. They even have a device that arc sparks. You just, and you're good. This here, you're going to bind a spirit to. I'm going to risk convincing a fire spirit to join my stick. And a great spiritual right. Please, almighty spark. Fire spirit, will you join the stick? All right, Lupus Bob, I'll do that. Meanwhile, Pac-Mate walks up. Were you looking to start a fire? Yeah, just here. Let me help you. Click, click, shiny. Whoosh. What'd you ask him for? This is pure. This guy intended. Leave me and my stick alone. Because my stick is better than bacon. And now we know yep. why the red talons hate the glass walkers. Uh, it's, it's adorable. I find a lot of this stuff to be 
this is the fun side of werewolf. I'm going to say it as it is. I think lupus is the refreshing, innocent side of what this game fights to protect. But there's a ferocity here too, right? And I think that mix is awesome. Uh, to, to see it dance around should be played more. It really should. Um, Creatures of the Wilderness is going to throw you for a loop. It did us. Mm-hmm. Um, only because I said this wrong. It wasn't Creatures. They're in here. That's Moose, Bear, Squirrel. Let me get to the right note here. Um, what we were looking at, we found an entry called Hairy Men. I'm just going to say it. Yep. I couldn't stop laughing. I couldn't stop laughing. It's not that this is like unbelievable or whatever. It's when you read what hairy men are, I told Nick, what the hell is this? And he's like, oh, what? I was like, it says hairy men. He goes, oh, you know, you know. No, I don't know. <laughs> so you <laughs> read on. He goes, tells me. So, okay, the image large, nine feet tall or more humans with hair covering their entire bodies. They resemble a cross between humans and apes. Some believe them to be the missing link in the evolution between human from ape. Okay. This is through the Sasquatch mascot for the uh, beef jerky. Jack Links. Yeah. Jack Links. Yes. Messing with the, Sasquatch. Look, Messing with you're Sasquatch. You're only exactly. laughing because he isn't shitting your tent yet. All right. But I, you shouldn't be <laughs> laughing, Bob. You and I played that big, Bigfoot game. You remember when he ran out of the forest? I about shit myself. This things are, these things are crazy. But remember when we played the game and we were like, why is it we can never find Bigfoot till he's annihilating right. us? <laughs> and he's so mad. He's always so mad. What is going on? There's a little insight here, right? There's there's a secret that goes about from tribe to tribe, right? They have stated that there are elder werewolves who have seen these beings, but have spoken to no one. Where do they see him? Right? These elders. Where do they see him again? These elders. These elders have seen him in Tibet. Okay, they've seen him in the United States and in Canada, northwestern United States and Canada, right? Some people have called them the Abominable Snowman or Yeti, Sasquatch or Bigfoot. They have names all over, right? But then these elders who have seen it refuse to tell anything of their encounters, claiming they were sworn to oaths of great secrecy. Come on, you know about the secret Sasquatch oath? The secret Sasquatch (laughs) alliance? No? Oh, well then never mind. You you may be wondering why. Right? Maybe this sheds some light. It says these beings are creatures of the wilderness. They're closely attuned to Gaia. Right? Strangely, they keep a balance. Well, not maybe not strangely, right? If they're the, the, the middle ground, they just don't have a Krinos. Right? It's another way of looking at it. These might have been the defenders Gaia messed up making. <laughs> We're just gonna right? put these in the corner. <laughs> Right, we're back to that fact that Gaia is like this witch running around, running away from the devil or the man in black, which is the worm, and he's trying to catch her, she's trying to do him, you know, and some great thing, and all right, we can get behind that, maybe this is evidence, Gaia, Gaia, she messed up, a little too much of this, not enough of that, and boom, you get Sasquatch, and there's that, and then the game goes and says, no, Bob, you're categorically wrong, because those guys can sidestep and go in the umbra, I was like, that doesn't mean I'm wrong. Hang on a second. What do you mean? Like a sidestep? Yes, that's where Guru see them mostly. <laughs> it's an umbrella. Here goes Sasquatch. Probably in the distance, waving. You know, just like, what's up, guys? You're <laughs> Generation 1. And they try to get your camera out, but the pause don't work because it's lupus, right? <laughs> and uh, that's that's probably how it works. And then you don't get that picture, but all you got is a crazy story. But uh, before you get done, they will make you sign that NDA. <laughs> <laughs> 
It's it's fun stuff. Um, Corporate if you're Sasquatch. looking for those martial encounters, the storytellers, um, Brent Sean, what great spirit creatures should we be looking for? Oh uh, man, what I would tell you to check out actually would be the uh, false Wendigo, right? That's everyone's favorite Wendigo. The uh, what was the name of that that movie about the the Western frontiersman who? Uh, uh, I think Ravenous? it has Guy Pierce. That's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ravenous. Right. This is uh, this is the Wendigo I've been looking for, man. Right. This is that old tale of the uh, the cannibalizing spirit that possesses people. Now, what I would say about this is I can't think of a creature more used more often in reference to, to wilderness encounters and a lot of horror stories than than the Wendigo. Right. It's the cannibal spirit in some part. They have a. Uh, there's just a lot. There was a short story anthology series that I used to be able to get at school. It's like scary things to tell in the dark. I think it is. Oh yeah, I, I love that. That's the that's the first story I ever heard of the Wendigo, and uh, and I still dig You're it. You're talking about those three books that have the very terrifying art in black and white in them. Yeah, yeah, I know what you're talking about. They don't pull punches. They don't pull punches. That thing was something that. Uh, I don't know that that story alone. I know kept me up at night when I first read it long time mm-hmm. ago, mm-hmm. and uh, it was it was because of that that phrasing that, that like it was like inchy kitchy coli moly dingo dingo. <laughs> I think I actually might have nailed it. Jesus, and uh, it it was trying to realize what it is, but it was also the fact that these guys were alone in the woods. They were terrified, and eventually, when they started running from it, this the, it's a being that can run across the sky. Yep, as a spirit. And it ends up possessing one of them to keep him running faster and faster and faster till it describes his feet burning mm-hmm. off. Yep. Yeah. And then just he's like running across the sky. Long stretches of 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 like uh, bloody stumps going through the uh, through the snow. It's it's horrific. It's that simple. And I I thought it was high, it was slam dunk good. I'm not the only one. I'm not the only one. I'd say in our culture, there's a that we developed into culture meaning horror films is what I'm referring to. I shouldn't have said just. I'll be specific. Um, you can find no less than I'd say eight films easy that have it in there. Although I'm having trouble remembering one, um, not Frostbiter, never Frostbiter. Okay. You've been warned. Don't, don't. It's not horror. Are at you all. trying to think it's of the just, one that's about to come out? No, it's not okay. Antlers. Antlers is going to be amazing. I'm not certain that's one to go based. I'm not sure either. It that's seems just that my way. Thought. Right, it seems that way in the preview looks boss, but that's a different podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, what we're what we're getting into now and how it applies in this book as they throw it in here. Remember what it says. It's that mystery of being a lupus and what you might encounter. When I read that section, it gave me chills because there's a lot I could pull from, right? And just we just talked about a lot of it. Also, there's a ton of material you can research and how to deliver it. Right? Pop culture is so fascinating with the Wendigo myth that they even included it in su- series of supernatural. On what goes on, and that's, you know, that's WB. That's usually, if you start seeing horror there, it's really interesting. It must be talked about in a lot of circles. Mm-hmm. Terrifying things in YouTube. Tons of short stories. I mean, and all of it is going to relate to some of this material that you hear when it talks about the possession. Because it's rarely about the fact that this spirit exists and it's been running around and eating people. It's always that somebody was in a desperate situation and they have such a greed to be alive such a greed that their life is more important than anyone else's that they will do anything to stay alive. And then the spirit convinces them to do the very worst thing and put them in a position to do it. And then they keep doing it and they want to do it. And this transformation takes hold of them. 
in order to do it after it's worn him down. That's one of the greatest ideas for possession. And it tells the a moral, right? That there is a time to die when it comes to the lupus perspective, right? I relate this back to the fact that a wolf knows, an old wolf knows when to walk off and not be a burden to the pack. Mm-hmm. Werewolves have a right for it. It speaks of it that your greed to stay alive should not impact those you are around still. And it's, it's human culture as well, right? There are whole societies that had this long before we are around now. Doesn't exist now. And that's what makes the Wendigo myth, this entry, this character, timeless. And it's amazing. And you won't find this as an enemy anywhere else where it outlines so specifically what you can do. So this book is worth it for this entry alone, in my opinion. I majorly digress, but I adore this part. I think this is, it's awesome. But without further ado, keep going. I was going to say, that's the only part you liked, because there's a a very particular type of uh, spirit beast that caught my attention. I forgot about the great beast. Nick, Nick, do the great beasts have any worth to the combat world? <laughs> um, d- sure. <laughs> so passionate. <laughs> I, yeah, I mean, the, if you're looking for things to kill, they're there. Just kill? That's all you can do with them? That's all they're there for? I depends on what you want to do with them. I mean, I uh, I don't know if I would run a uh, a werewolf game with dinosaurs in it, but if I did. I've got stats, and that's what's important. Dinosaurs. I love dinosaurs. Yeah. Dinosaurs, Nick. I love dinosaurs. You do, too. I wish I had known these existed when the last time I played a Theurge. Otherwise, I'd be summoning a hell of a lot of different spirits than I did. I I don't know how you live without having dinosaurs in your werewolf game. I don't know either. I don't know how we've survived, but hey, we made it to this point. I mean, uh, they told us early on that the Umbra has everything that you could ever imagine in it. Uh, this section really brings that to the front. It really has everything. Dinosaurs. Uh, and here they have stats for that everything. Dinosaurs. Okay. <laughs> now, now, if you didn't know also, the great shark's in here. That's right. The Carcharodon Megalodon. Or as I like to call him, the Crackalodon Megalodon. Incorrectly. He's in here. And it talks about only certain guru can summon this great shark. I would tell you nobody should summon this great shark, right? It's described as the ultimate personification of the mindless, highly developed killing machine (laughs) that it's meant to be. Once summoned, it lives to kill and destroy, to eat and to maim, no pity, no remorse, and it absolutely will not stop. Even if its eyes roll back in that right neck. Yeah. It's, uh, it's gonna do what it does. So, um, I dwindle on, but that's uh, that's the best uh, entries they got here for terms of uh, the odd and wilderness wise. And where we're heckling partially on it, it's these are good entries to give you idea. A lot of people are going to ask specifics, right? That's the major part that is the downside to the updates of a lot of the material is that folks ask for where was this factual? Don't give me the option. What did you intend? Back in the day, they wrote exactly what they meant. That's where you're going to see it. And it's good to know where the seeds come from. So when you see that you have an option, you get what they mean. And then you can have your version or go take that one. But we've already we've been there, done that. Let's move on to see what you're looking for. And that's here. And for the lupus in particular, uh, red talents that get gifts like call the great beast. You wanted to know what the great beast was. It's in this book. They have them. They have examples and use them to to support that. 
Lupus templates, of course, we'll need to get into it. We had personal heckle at one for reasons we cannot say. Uh, but it's, uh, it's definitely here. It's definitely here. Uh, and good entries. Uh, for those who are looking to play a lupus, start out and see what it's like and maybe you know try to, try to put a spin to it. Uh, make it their own if they can't think of a concept or how this might work. Or if you just want to put um, training wheels to what people are trying to accomplish. This is all good stuff for that. All right. Uh, Brother Ned, that brings this book to a close. Gentlemen, would you, well, yeah, I know you own this book, but would you recommend this to people? Absolutely. 100%. If you were wanting to play a lupus in a werewolf game. Yeah, I think uh, I think definitely early on, this is the best guide we have uh, for any type of lupus play. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, as, as we carry on, you know, there might be other examples, but this is definitely solid. Uh, it's a book dedicated to lupus. There's no better way to, to kind of get your mind wrapped around something than that. All right. I, I couldn't agree more. And fellas, once again, thank you for coming with us on this and uh, joining me on this. You should say that's the appropriate term. Yeah. Um, not a rough read at all. Very easy down to go. A little bit hard to talk about without giving the material out to everyone. This is one of those conversation pieces to point out because much like the lupus, this book keeps it simple. And uh, and direct is always a better approach when uh, getting material as it was meant to be delivered. And uh, thank you guys for coming out, Nick. Brent, yeah, always a pleasure. Yep. Everybody else, thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to our 25 years of Vampire the Masquerade podcast. If you liked what you heard, please reach out and let us know on Twitter at 25 years of VTM, at our email, info at 25 yearsvtmcom on Facebook at www.facebook.com slash 25 yearsvtm or on our website, www.25yearsvtm.com. If you would like to support us, we can be found at patreon.com slash 25 years of Vampire the Masquerade.